0: your host Nick Jaworski. We bring you the business of recovery because those struggling with addiction need you to be here tomorrow as well as today. me here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, CEO of Circle Social Inc., a strategic marketing firm for behavioral health and addiction treatment providers. Today, we are speaking with Deborah Shoptai. She is one of the lead clinicians and has a lot of experience running faith-based programs. So before we get into that, I want to hear from our sponsors. Track 9 Informatics is a data-driven approach to substance use disorder and mental health treatment. By assessing nine pathology and resilience factors that have been scientifically shown to be most critical to client success each week, Track 9 identifies which clinicians excel at treating which client symptoms, provides facility-specific clinical outcome analytics compared to national averages, and learns your facility-specific predictors of treatment success or failure, all of which help your program improve client outcomes, support payer negotiations, and reduce AMAs. To get a free consultation on how this data-driven approach can improve your program, call Dr. Jared Dempsey at 833-998-7229 or email contact at track9.com. As I mentioned, Deborah is speaking to us today about faith-based programs. And a fun fact that you might not know about me, my original degree from university was in religious studies. So this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I've had the good fortune of working in and with a number of programs that have faith-based programming. And it is not easy to do well, uh, logistically working around various faith requirements, but also in terms of implementation and staff training and hiring, how do you find staff that are culturally sensitive, but also culturally competent, whether they're coming from within that demographic or the faith that you're hiring for or outside of it, It's extremely important to have the right training systems in place and the right approach from a clinical perspective to make the program truly valuable for patients seeking services. And something I really want to emphasize here, because this is something that we often see, is a faith based program or any specialty program or specialty track has to be developed specifically for those patients in mind and it has to have a very strong clinical basis where you're integrating recovery with the faith and i say that because there are sometimes programs that look at tracks uh, faith-based or otherwise as marketing opportunities as opportunities to potentially attract a different patient base or maybe differentiate themselves a little bit from the competitor across the street now if done well they are tremendously beneficial differentiators. And they're also extremely helpful to patients who need a very specific um, integration into their recovery and treatment programming. But if you run a program where it is just there because you think it's going to bring in more patients, then this ultimately fails. It hurts the organization's reputation. It drives down the number of admissions as you waste marketing spend on um, trying to reach a, a demographic that Very quickly, because everyone in these faith communities tends to talk to each other, word gets around that that is not the program to go to. So I just do want to emphasize that, you know, coming from the marketing lens, you know, very, very important to make sure, as always, that you're doing things right and that your clinical is your program. It is your service. Marketing is a catalyst and an amplification of existing quality or existing differentiation. You know, programming should never be used just to try to form uh, additional patient attraction strategies. So with that, I want to jump in and hear from Deborah. Hey Deborah, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Do you want to introduce yourself
1: and tell us a little bit about where you are and what you do? Sure. Thank you so much, Nick, for having me on and for being willing to uh, to talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, So I am both a licensed clinical social worker, a therapist, as well as a researcher in the field of uh, religion and mental health. Um, and so when I um, entered into the, the clinical field um, and fell in love really with addiction treatment and recovery, uh, I felt it was really the the perfect place for the meeting of, you know, spirituality and mental health. Um, I actually started in my career being trained uh, by Dr. David Rosner, who is uh, out in Harvard uh, Medical School, and he runs the Spirituality and Mental Health Clinic. Um, and so, when I started working in a in, in a in a treatment center that really focused on cultural individuality, um, with separate separate tracks almost for each uh, each uh, each culture, um, including a, a really strong Christian track, um, you know, kind of coalescing my interest in working with members of the the Jewish faith, and I said, okay, we have to we have to start, we have to, you know, open up a a track a program specifically for the needs of Jewish individuals in addiction treatment. Um, and so I had the privilege of partnering together with that treatment center um, in, in opening up uh, uh, th- this specific track, um, and really kind of saw the the, the needs um, of working specifically with with faith and faith based programming.
0: Well, I appreciate that background. So I really wanted to have you on because I see a decent amount of faith based programming uh, through different clients and different providers, and where I often see a gap is that it is very generic and it's often just almost superficial in the way that it's applied, right? You know, people are saying, hey, okay, you know, we should do something for for people of faith or people that want more faith involved in their treatment. Let's have a faith-based program. So let's really start with the basic, you know, from your perspective, should programming for a faith-based program be broad and open to all faiths? Should it focus on specific faiths? Like, how do you start to build it?
1: Right, and that's, that's a great question, and I think to, to address that, we really have to rewind back, you know, in terms of the definition itself. You know, what does it mean to have a program that is faith-based? You know, obviously, people of all walks of life, all cultures, all backgrounds, um, unfortunately, struggle with addiction, with mental health, um, and co-occurring disorders, and so I think the first question of what does it mean that within the context of mental health treatment, we're even addressing faith we're addressing culture. It's like, you know, what's the relevance of it? Um, and from what I have seen up close and personal, I think the first the first element to look at is, is creating um, a programming that addresses the basics, right? So the specific variables of that culture. So whether we're talking about, you know, a Jewish program and, and accommodating for Sabbath and kosher, you know, we're talking about a Christian program and accommodating for the specific, you know, cultural and religious needs of that faith. Um, I think in, in that way, you know, there's a time and place for, for separateness um, and for really honoring and respecting and incorporating what makes this specific faith um, have that unique flavor. But then there's the universal elements. There's the spirituality. There's the things that bind people together. And I think opening that up and, and having spaces for shared for shared experiences and from learning from each other's faith, um, is also very powerful. So I think to to answer that, I think that there there it really you know warrants a program design that has times for separateness, times for really honoring and respecting an individual faith, and really that that shared lived experience that only people in that same culture will under would understand. But also times to learn from each other, and I think really good, sophisticated, nuanced. Uh, clinical program design um, allows for that and should allow for that. And, I, and I've seen the benefit of of, of that, you know, with, with the clients that I've had the privilege to serve. So
0: we've got the kind of simplistic logistical aspect, right, where we're holding Shabbat or we're, you know, making room for five times a day for um, maybe a, a Muslim faith-based program uh, for prayer. So we can incorporate those elements. But you're also really focusing on this, as you said, kind of the meaning, the purpose, the why, the the faith community aspect of it. And I think that's pretty critical. I think a lot of people probably listening can relate maybe even to their own recovery journeys. Um, A lot of people find a lot of strength in faith. And it's a very often specific faith that allows them to find recovery. But that's going to be different for people from different faith-based backgrounds. So when you look at that clinical programming aspect, you know how do you really meld the faith into the clinical programming and make it unique to individual faiths?
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that's really, this question is, is the pivotal question because I think that there are many programs out there who will say that they, you know, they respect certain faith traditions. And really when you take a look under the hood, what that means is that, you know, they're taking one surface level part of the faith, you know, whether it's in a Christian program and they have a chapel you or they take their clients out to celebrate recovery, or if it's a Jewish program, quote unquote, you know, they'll slap on some kosher food. But what I've really seen and the way that I conceptualize a a true faith-based program, it's the ability to incorporate within clinical Within the clinical process, what about that person's faith? On the positive end, it serves as a resource during times of, of of pain and suffering. And on the flip side, where being connected to a certain faith might have been associated with some of the traumas that they're coming in with. And just to kind of stick, you know, to the culture that I have the most familiarity working with, you know, the Orthodox Jewish population. What I often find so meaningful and, and so potent in this type of work is that a person could be coming in and on the one hand, they're thirsting to have those Jewish elements within their recovery process, right? They're wanting that, that you know, Shabbat dinner or to have kosher food. But on the other hand, they're carrying with them tremendous amounts of religious traumatic baggage, you know, maybe it was a negative experience, you know, with their religious family of origin or within their synagogue or within their yeshiva, their religious school system. And so there's this inner conflict that they have walking in, you know, the door of the the rehab, where maybe they're actually wanting to leave the faith. And so they're coming in, you know, co-occurring with their addiction, co-occurring with their mental health struggle is really this ambivalence, about what faith means to them, and so when I have when I look at you know the building blocks, the foundation of a faith based program, ultimately you know the, the the flavors of being able to accommodate certain practices are important, but that's not what goes into a, a real faith based program. It's the ability for the clinicians to understand the nuances of what it means to process the good, the bad, and the ugly of that person's relationship to their faith. I, there has not been one time that I have worked with somebody coming in from a specific faith-based community where there was not a conflict. And to be able to really give space and explore that conflict, how their religious, spiritual you know, uh, identity plays a role in their healing, and maybe in the very same breath has really caused a lot of pain and confusion when it comes to their lived experiences in that religion, that really to me is the, is the formula, the winning formula of a faith-based program. Um, And that really takes a lot of sensitivity on the path, you know, of the clinicians, as well as the treatment center as a whole. Um, And I think that's rare. I think it's much easier, you know, for a treatment program to, to pay for, for kosher food um, or to, you know, have a chapel, than it is to really invest um, in having clinicians who understand the nuances of of this type of work.
0: I love all the information you're providing there because the the failure from my perspective of a number of more superficial um, faith-based programs and this idea that it's open to all is it doesn't really truly meet the needs of the patients, right? If it's kind of saying, hey, you know, come one, come all, and this is somehow we're gonna respect everyone's unique face within this program. You're kind of, you know, it's almost like a jack of all trades, right? You're dabbling a little bit in everything, but you're not really doing anything well. And I think that relates to the patients as well. I mean, I remember we had a, a program when we first started working with them that was very Christian based, and it was very integrated into their clinical curriculum they wanted the marketing to be more broader and open. And I said, why, you know, they said, well, you know, we want to, we want to help people from all faiths. And I said, well, when was the last time you had a Muslim in your program or a Jew or someone from a Buddhist background? And their answer was they couldn't even think of one. (laughs) So like, well, if you're not serving that population, then why are you diluting the program and your message right? So from the marketing perspective, you're not attracting the right people, you're maybe sending the wrong message, and then clinically, you're, you're watering down your program. So what I really liked about what you said is there, there's these two approaches that are really important to a faith-based program. There's one, the foundation aspect. The religion, the faith can be a resource, and it often is for a lot of people where they're coming in and they're saying, hey, I have a strong belief in God or Jesus or Allah. I can use this to build my recovery upon and find meaning and purpose in my life. On the flip side, you have to have a clinical program that understands and clinicians that understand that there's often also ambivalence or maybe an active um, rejection of the faith. We see this a lot from individuals coming from a Christian background. We see it a lot with the Jewish background, you know, where people have, depending on your perspective, lost their way, but there's still this cultural commonality where they feel more comfortable and maybe they are seeking, right? Seeking to get back into the faith. They just don't know how to do it but that, that's difficult to navigate in clinical programming unless you're truly committed to a clinically and culturally appropriate program for that space. So I, I really love your comments there. And I, I want to ask from the, the clinician's aspect, how do you think clinicians should engage with it? How, what should the training be like? And uh, kind of a, a third part to that question is, do they have to be from that faith background to engage in clinical services for that community?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, you know. And when I so the first first faith based program that I had the privilege to create was within the umbrella of a traditional uh, treatment center, and I'll never forget, you know, the the process of building that program. And you know, we were working with the staff that was already there. You know, we didn't at that time, you know, bring in specific therapists other than you know, a f- group facilitator to run some specific uh, uh, groups. Um, and so we did a lot of cultural competency trainings. Um, and, and right away, you can tell, you know, a therapist who, who is the right fit, you know, to work with someone from a very specific cultural background based upon the level of interest of the questions that they ask, um, you know, versus the people who they say, OK, you know, I, I know a Jewish person. I know a Christian person. I know a Muslim person. So, you know, why should this be any different in terms of my clinical work? You know, I have enough cultural background and competency. And then the ones that did start working with, with, uh, you know, as people in our Jewish track, they were really up for a, a huge education, you know, in terms of just how much not only the person's practices might've been different to them, but again, how much there was an intersection and an interconnection between the clinical issues that they were presenting with in, in, in therapy and all of the different nuances of that religion. And I think you know, to answer that question I think it's very important to have a mixture of both um, but it takes the right type of therapist and I think you know to, to really distill it a therapist who's going to take a look at someone saying that I want to reject my faith I want to leave my faith and and pr- bring in any of their own agenda so right off the bat we you know you know that that's a, a treatment interrupting a relationship right there but even more so somebody who doesn't understand that a person who's coming, with that background and that story, there needs to be a huge process by, by which they explore that before making a decision. And I think therapists who are pushing for that person to kind of conclude and make a decision, or maybe in their in their uh, you know wanting to be culturally competent, they show that person acceptance. Uh, I think there's a danger there. So on the one hand, having people from that faith who might understand um, there's going to be a benefit. On the other hand, many people who come in for treatment for addiction and mental health, they are, like we talked about, they're in that space of ambivalence. And working with people from outside of the faith gives them that feeling and that sense that they are able to explore these things for themselves. And so I think we really do need that that dynamic of people who understand the faith because they're part of that. And I think this is also a question of timing. At a certain time, it might be really important as we get, you know, more uh, nuanced into that person's story to work with someone who they don't have to, you know, explain everything. And they just know that that therapist is going to get them. But I find earlier in the process, having a little bit of space from people in that community might also be important. So I think, having a mixture of both, but the formula is for the therapist to truly be curious and to really want to go on that journey with that person, as opposed to bringing in any of their own agendas, any of their own assumptions, um, or pushing that person too quickly in either direction.
0: Yeah, those are great comments. You know, I mean, because I've sat in on Orthodox Jewish uh, treatment programs at, at Onward and other places. And, you know, there's very specific language that's used, a lot of Yiddish thrown in very specific experiences related to upbringings, faith, just kind of rituals and and just expectations in life. And, And that is not easy for a therapist with a different upbringing or a different background to be able to come in. But I like your comment that it also allows space, you know, especially for those patients that are more ambivalent. If they are a little bit more critical, that might not be as easy to discuss with someone from an Orthodox Jewish background, for example, versus someone that they know is is not going to have maybe the same concerns if they're as challenging in that process. So those really interesting comments with the clinical programming and the clinicians that you got coming in, whether they come from the same uh, faith background or not. How important is the training process? You mentioned it, but like how extensive would you say that training process has to be before they're ready to start working with patients of a particular faith?
1: Yeah, I think for, you know, we, we, can't, we, we can't separate the fact that the person is primarily, you know, in front of that therapist, either to work on, you know, an addiction, to work on a trauma or to, you know, to an intervention for a specific mental health struggle. And so obviously it goes without saying that recovery and treatment, you know, come first. Um, The reason that I have been stressing, you know, the importance of the faith so much is because of how often for somebody who is coming from a very um, religious or very tight-knit cultural community, these things often, you know, intersect. Um, So, but I think that if a person is first and foremost, a fit for that person's struggle. So whether they're, they're there for a trauma, um, you know, and that person has to be the right fit for their, for the clinical uh, treatment plan um, and the modality that the person needs. But once that's there, I think, again, if there's an openness, then a cultural competency training, um, I think is very important. And I've certainly you know, sat with many therapists and we've really gone over the nitty gritties of, you know, what it's uh, every facet of, of Orthodox life, for example, um, and also how it intersects with with various presenting problems. But I, I don't think that anything is as good of a training um, as, you know, actually working with clients and really getting and sitting in, you know, with their lived experience and hearing their stories and hearing, hearing what they need within the therapeutic process. But I would say that if the one thing that can't be trained, right? Cause we can sit with a the therapist and we can go through that, that education. Um, again, is that curiosity. And I can't stress that enough, that a therapist who has that natural interest to want to know about that part of the person, just like they would hopefully want to know, um, you know, about any part of that person's identity. Um, So once that's there, I think everything else can be educated. And some of the best culturally competent therapists that I've ever worked with, um, within our Jewish programming have been Therapists with very little backgrounds and really have not, um, you know, met a, a an Orthodox Jewish person before this. But what they had is that passion and that interest and that desire to understand these these very nuanced and sensitive um, interconnections between faith, a culture, religious beliefs, religious practices, and a person's uh, mental health history.
0: Sure. So you touched upon already individuals that are coming with um, maybe negative experiences within their own faith uh, related to their upbringing or ambivalence towards the religion. What are your feelings around someone that comes in maybe because of that with a very anti-religious background? So maybe they came from a very strictly religious family or um, deeply religious family, and that family wanted them in this program, but they really don't want to be You know, your thoughts on how to work with that individual and would you recommend a faith based program for the individual or or might you recommend that they go to, you know, um, a non faith based program just based on their personal beliefs.
1: Yeah, I know. Thank you for for bringing this up. And I think just to answer that, I can speak a little bit, you know, to some of the comparisons and some of the contrasts, you know, between um, working within a faith-based program that was under the umbrella of a traditional, you know, non-Jewish program, so to speak, um, and my experiences now, where I do work in an all-Jewish, all-male facility. And so the way that I see it is that There's very much a a stages of, you know, just like we have the stages of change. There's almost like a stages of change for a person who comes in with what I like to call religious trauma history, um, where they're, you know, part of this faith and they grow up um, where, you know, religion might be all they know, but yet for various reasons, they come in with very negative experiences. And so what I find is that when they enter into a, let's start with the, you know, the, the non the traditional program the non-jewish uh, program but that does accommodate for and understand some of the, the the nuances of a jewish person a lot of them come in saying i want nothing to do with religion like i don't want to speak to another jewish person i you know this is i, I want to leave the faith i want to You know, nothing to do, and then as soon as they saw me, or as soon as they saw one of our, you know, Jewish uh, therapists, there's this almost like natural, organic, you know, intangible connection that's there, and 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 I'll never forget, you know, the person who was the client that I had that was one of the most anti-Jewish in the beginning, literally sought me out and almost and wanted to share her story, and I think that we, you know, that that there's a really important, uh, you know, really important moment where the person realizes that it's not that they want to run away, it's that they want to share that story and they want to process it and wrestle with it and understand it. And I think that you know we expected when we first built this, uh, this Jewish program that most of the clients that came in really would not want anything to do with religion. They wouldn't want to meet with the rabbi that we had. They wouldn't want to sit for the Shabbat dinner. And what we found was actually the opposite. I think uh, 98% um, of the clients who walked through the doors of our Jewish program, even if they had very painful experiences, found such solace and comfort in being able to sit with a therapist who understood them and was from that same faith, or to sit with the rabbi and just to share that pain. Um, You know, we ran weekly a Jewish process group, and it was optional. They could have gone to any other program that was happening at that same slot most of the clients i again i would say 9 out of 10 came every single week to sit there and i think that that's that's really something that, that there's a lot of conceptualization that we can bring into that because it's not it's not that a person has like i said before made that decision to leave it's that there was pain there just like any other trauma just like any other treatment just like any other relationship rupture it needs to be processed it needs to be there needs to be explored. And so I think it was very important to have a treatment design where these things were there. You know, kosher food was there. Shabbat was there. The holiday services were there. The the groups that were only for our Jewish residents um, and, and, and individual therapy sessions that we called our faith-based sessions were there. There was a comfort that was not able to be paralleled in anything else. Um, but then there's a time and place where you know, a person then, if they do decide that they are open to, you know, returning back into a, a community, they then do need to be in a place that has an, a, a kind of an all an all Jewish feel to it, because the next phase of that of that trauma work becomes positive experiences that become rewired, um, and so for that to happen, you know, it is important then for that to be, you know, in an all Jewish environment. From what I found, but it's really the stages. Of, of change like anything else.
0: I think you know what you're saying speaks just to the importance of having individually, you know, population specific programming whether that's face based or veterans or LGBTQ there is this huge need I think to build upon people's related previous experiences and so you know you really in these stories about individuals coming in and saying hey I want nothing to do with this but then the huge value that they found in reconnecting and connecting with others from a similar background, I think just really highlights the importance of this kind of programming. You know, Going back to an earlier question we had on it then, you mentioned to me in a, a different call that you had experienced both with a little bit more general or broad faith-based programming and, and this more narrow, really focused approach. Um, do you have a perspective on if you feel one is better than the other or a better fit for different patients?
1: Yeah, I think that you know, even yes, the answer is is absolutely. I think that certain people, you know, depending on um, their current relationship to to a religious community, you know, will will do much better if they're in a place where it does not in any way feel like it's overt. Um, and I think you know to really understand that more, we do have to understand that for people who have painful experiences within a religious culture there is a traumatic experience that, that they usually carry. And I find it to be very similar to any attachment trauma, because what what tends to happen is if I had a negative experience with a rabbi, or if I had a, you know, negative experiences in a religious community, because maybe there was something different about me, you know, maybe I didn't quite fit the mold, you know, like my peers, you know, whether, because maybe I have a learning issue, but I'm in like a, you know, a very um, academic yeshiva and I'm not quite, you know, I'm not quite fitting in with my peers, or maybe, you know, I just felt very demoralized or shameful um, in, in, in a certain environment that now I've come to associate as religion. So they are now walking around and anything that seems Jewish is going to trigger that same shame, that same guilt, that same pain. And Oftentimes, what I find when I dial back and I get into the stories of these clients is that the issues are not with religion itself. It's not necessarily a philosophical issue that I have. It's a cultural experience that I have now come to associate anything within that same um, that that same religious uh, you know flavor to it. And so, the most pernicious thing that tends to happen is that now my ability to have relationship to spirituality gets blocked. And of course, when we're talking about addiction treatment for many people, spirituality, higher power, 12 steps, or even if they're not, um, you know, into 12 steps, just that ability to reconnect internally with what's important to me becomes completely walled off. And so to first have a process in which I can make sense of that but make sense of that not because I'm completely shutting it down, right? It doesn't work when a person who has negative experiences with a relationship shuts off completely from relationships, right? They first have to have a period of, of exploring and reprocessing. So I find to do it in a place that is, again, understanding and sensitive, um, and where I have opportunities to wrestle with it, because now I do have to decide, do I want to go to that Shabbat dinner? And I have to sit and I have to process what that means. But to do so in a place where I feel completely safe to explore, without judgment, without pressure, is really, really important. So it's this like delicate balance between having those same triggers there, but in a safe enough way to make sense of it. and to really own it for myself, just so that I can start to weed through this trauma, uh, experience At a certain point, though, if a person really does want that comfort of that fellowship and wants religion, if for them either was reprocessed or they were open to it from the beginning, and they want those things to be around them for the sake of comfort and fellowship, it might then be more beneficial to go to a, a more narrow program that is going to have more opportunities and more exclusive opportunities to, to be able to uh, maintain the ritual. So, for example, we just have the Jewish holidays, you know, in a, in a narrow faith based program, um, such as the one I'm currently working within, there's just going to be more of that, more of that immersion within the religion. And for some people who are undergoing treatment, that's a very comfortable. Um, and healing and therapeutic resource for other people who are at an earlier phase, or they might just have decided that they're no longer wanting to be a part of that faith-based community because it was an actual decision. For them, having a broader uh, treatment program is going to be much more beneficial and and much more healthy.
0: I think I want to connect uh, two different pieces that you said. One, the exploratory piece is critical, I think, in allowing patients to find their path to healing. You know, I've, I've seen both in, in clinical programming. I've seen therapists that come and say, you need to give yourself up to a higher power. You need to give yourself up to Jesus and let him take control. And then your, your life will start to get better and you'll be able to find recovery. And then on the another approach, I've seen people say, well you know, what really worked for me was accepting faith and becoming really involved in my church and allowing Jesus to take control of my life and, you know, letting him make the decisions. And so that might work for you, right? And those two different approaches, I think, provide a lot of value. But then the, the, the second approach is the one where people are, I think, think more likely to approach it in a positive way. And then your earlier comment that you had around the fact of putting treatment first, right? And then the fact that you're here for recovery. And so again, allowing people, focusing on an individual's recovery, focusing on the struggles they have with addiction, talking about that, and then presenting options of different ways that they may be able to work through their own issues and then achieve recovery. So I think if you take those two pieces together, it's really helpful individuals versus a top-down approach that just says hey you need to you need to accept this faith or you need to get back into it you have a chance of turning patients off or putting up walls especially if they they've had negative or traumatic experiences within that religion
1: yeah exactly and i found that the, you know the interesting thing is especially along the, the, the recovery process it's almost like every piece that can be the most healthy most clinically potent you know if you will. You know, piece of recovery could have a a foundation. You know, in a spiritual, religious, or cultural uh, piece for for that person, right? So we talk about the power of fellowship. So if somebody is a, is a member of a of a faith based community, well, right there, you know, I like to call Jewish recovery meanings. You know, fellowships within a fellowship, because now you know you don't only have the power of somebody else who has that lived experience of the struggle, but you also have people who are sharing commonalities you know, in spiritual belief systems and and in in various experiences. But that same, those same things that could be so beautiful and can be so healing could also become the most detrimental, almost like weaponized things that just re-trigger a person. Um, You know, that same, that same community could also be a place in which you might've felt like you didn't fit in or that you were rejected from, or that you were not part of. Um, And the same thing, you know, with the spiritual beliefs themselves. And so I think that's why, you know, it might be counterintuitive because I've had many people say to me when they heard that I was involved in, in building faith-based programs, like, why in the world are you bringing these things in? You know, that is nothing. Like, what is, what is, you know, Judaism have anything to do with recovery? Um, it's almost like they, they felt like that should be addressed later on without realizing, you know, the relevance that whether we like it or not, these, th- these, parts of a person, their culture, their faith, um, you know, is so vital to who they are. And I think that that's why creating spaces, and and I think that it is a struggle, you know, it is a struggle to make sure that it doesn't overshadow. You know, I think part of the problem with some of the narrow treatment programs that are only, you know, exclusive to members of one faith is that it could become a distraction. And and you've also, you know, heard people in uh, treatment programs kind of use religion. You know, as an excuse to not be a part of. Um, And so I think there is, you know, a delicate balance here.
0: So, on that note, what are some mistakes that you've seen made, or what do you think there are important mistakes to avoid when building out faith based programming?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, mistake number one is in anything that's not optional. I think that, you know, sometimes people will get very excited, you know, when, you know, conceptualizing these programs, because now that I want to be culturally sensitive and culturally competent, well, let me go, you know, too far with it. So I think, you know, making things optional is very, very important and recognizing, you know, that, that ambivalence, that conflict, that a member of a faith who's coming in, you know, in in active addiction or, you know, with a, an unmanaged mental health struggle, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be very subtle. And I think the more subtle you can make it the better, um, and I think remembering that recovery is primary. And so at the end of the day, there has to be, you know, the, 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 the treatment has to be the primary focus and everything else, while we're, what we're saying is it has to be there, it is not the primary focus. And I think sometimes what happens in, in treatment programs when somebody does come from a specific faith is that they will use it as, a, as an opportunity to, to, to be distracted. You know, a lot of times often on the Jewish holidays or on Sabbath. You know, you'll have clients say that they can't come into group because they have to, you know, engage in prayer. And I think this really is where, you know, being able to have people who are of that same faith to kind of understand, you know, when a person is kind of calling BS and when it's authentic.
0: That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause there's definitely potential nuance there. What about elements that you think are really important to get right in, in the design of the program?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, in addition to really being able to to identify within any faith or culture, you know, what are the primary things that need to be there during during the process? Right. So, for example, you know, a Jewish person, you know, kosher food, food is going to be a staple of that person if, if they keep kosher, you know, and, and the not having access to something that might be very important to them. And so really being able to tease out for every single faith and every single culture, like what are the primary elements that make that make up that faith? Um, and seeing how that can be, you know, inter, interweaved into a, a day-to-day clinical program. Um, but I think the most important thing, and, you know, we, we've, we've discussed this before, is really to give space and you know, give respect to that conflict. Because if somebody is coming in in pain, undoubtedly, they're going to be in a place of conflict within every component of their life, including their, their spirituality. And I think really knowing when that should be a primary focus, you know, and when it shouldn't be. How do
0: you think about, I mean, I'm sure there's no one answer to this, but just kind of thinking about percentages. So if we're looking at uh, a normal week or maybe a normal day, you know, how much of the clinical programming has uh, very explicit uh, faith elements built into it? And then how much of it is just standard recovery programming?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, in terms of each individual's treatment plan, you know, it might be case by case, but I think, you know, the, the formula that I saw that worked really well was to have a group, you know, groups where people of, of the same faith, or maybe who have different, you know, different experiences, different degrees, um, either religious practice, you know, can come, come together and kind of share and process. Um, and those groups that we did, you know, are very, very powerful. And I think anything more than, you know, one to two times a week, then that, that becomes overkill. Um, and I think having individual sessions, in addition to the primary session was also actually very, very meaningful for many of the clients, because that way, it wasn't a distraction from their primary work. You know, the way we set it up was, was, was an additional individual session. Um, and I think that a lot of the this is where it can get very specific to this, you know, the culture. So in in the Jewish culture, you know, Sabbath was, is a very big part of the very big part of the uh, you know, the weekly religious faith practice. Um, And so designing programming around Sabbath, you know, for the Jewish program became very meaningful. So I think this is where, you know, back to your point, Nick, of having not a watered town program because it meets the needs of everybody, but really finding out what are the primary special unique elements of that faith and then working around that. So by giving, you know, Shabbos its own program that really right then and there was a very comforting piece for our Jewish clients. Whereas for, I know for our Christian track, you know, having, being able to go to, to chapel was a very, very important piece. So I think really knowing what's important to, to that faith is, is going to be important when, when going through the program design.
0: Just a small logistical question for you, but, you know, I know for Orthodox Jews are, you know, certain days in addition to the Shabbat, but some holidays where they don't do anything, right? Um, how, how does that work out from like a treatment management perspective and even a billing perspective? Do you just kind of give breaks on those days and treat them like a weekend or how does that actually work out?
1: Yeah, so this is where sometimes you can get, uh, you know, be creative from a uh, a design standpoint. Um, so, you know, because obviously recovery is first, you know, we did not allow our, our clients to, to skip groups on those holidays. Uh, But what we would do instead to accommodate is if anyone didn't want to get into a car, you know, because one of the Orthodox practices is not driving on Sabbath or on those holidays. So we would offer for them to be walked into our clinical, uh, clinical programming days. Um, And so they would sit and have the group, but if they didn't want to, to do anything that would be violating the, the Sabbath, they, they, you know we, we accommodated for that. If for whatever reason, you know, a person, you know, we just had the high holidays, right? So if a person didn't did want to take off and got clinical approval, then yes, th- those days would be, uh, you know, added on at the end and it was kind of like a, an excusal. But that's where sometimes it really does take a lot of nuance to kind of know how we can still meet their clinical programming needs while also staying true to their faith.
0: Always an interesting one, because it is, you have those cultural sensitivities, but you want to put recovery first, like you said, so definitely a, a line to walk.
1: One thing though that I find, again, like really made this faith program, um, I, I think very unique in, in, in the goals was that during each holiday, you know, the essential theme of that holiday, you know, whether it was Passover and the idea of liberation, um, you know, from oppression, that was built into our clinical program. So there was actually, we had, we had a clinical group uh, centered around each Jewish holiday that took that theme and connected it to recovery. And I'll never forget, you know, some of my most powerful moments as a clinician was sitting in those groups and just hearing in a very natural, organic way, a client actually connect on their own saying, I, you know, I came to this treatment, you know, on the heels of, let's say the high holidays which is all about renewal and return to oneself. And I find it divine that I came in now because that's what I'm seeing is what I need in my own recovery. Um, and so the, the clients themselves, once they were given that platform, they very naturally connected parts of their Jewish life and identity to their own healing process. And to me, again, we can talk about Sabbath accommodations, and we could talk about, you know, the clinical program design. But to me, it was on even deeper than that. It was really finding ways to in- integrate and incorporate spiritual themes and messages and their healing. And sometimes those were the most powerful moments. And on the flip side, if they were coming in with pain, and they had that anger toward God, Um, And they had that, you know, like that, that confusion and ambivalence, they're really wrestling with that as they wrestled with all parts of their identity, because that's really what they were, you know, in, in, in this program to do is get to know themselves on the deepest of levels, including this very pain. And so watching clients kind of make those connections to me, that's really where this faith-based program, you know, provided something that I think was very, very meaningful and valuable.
0: Well, appreciate all those insights. Any final thoughts as we kind of wrap things up here?
1: I think that just, you know, anyone in this space of of, of treatment, you know, I think the biggest mistake that can be made is just assuming that something that is uh, cultural or religious, um, you know, is irrelevant to the treatment process. I mean, just like any experience in a person's life that is formative and that shapes a person's set of beliefs um, and experiences. Uh, I think that we really do have to be creating space. And even if it's not going to be creating a, a whole program, you know, for that, for that religion, I think just really, really um, not overlooking the value and that importance of bringing it into the conversation.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Great comments. So if someone wants to reach out to you, what, what's the best way to contact you or Onward?
1: Yeah, uh, my email address is onwardliving at onwardliving.org. Um, and I, of course, we will send it over to you to put into the uh, the, the link there.
0: Great. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a wonderful discussion. I think it's an important one to be having. For all our listeners out there, this is the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much.